You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, kicking off this hour from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta. For our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls, they have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement. Even at DLBasementSystems.com. Lots of hockey talking. Hour one, of course, we dove deep into the Flames and the Vegas Golden Knights from Monday night. Big overtime win for the Flames. Heard from Ebug, Dusty Nickel as well. A beauty of a human being who spoke to the media last night in his amateur tryout to back up Dan Vladar. Also went around the NHL with our pal Scott Laughlin. If you missed any of it, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. Subscribe and come along for the ride here on Sportsnet today. We are kicking off Hour 2, chatting some football, and very happy to do so with our next guest. It's been a while since we chatted with this gentleman, but very happy to have him down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar. Guest hotline this afternoon. From Sirius XM NFL Radio, it's our pal Zeke Fricasi joining us this afternoon. Zeke, thanks for the time, man. How are you? Logan, I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing good here. We're busy with hockey season, but uh, also, as we uh, find out, we can't get away from the NFL season and uh, the ups and downs of it either. So we're doing great, pal. That's good to know. That's good to know. A busy season around the NFL. It sure is. And, uh, look, Monday night wasn't exactly a... uh, primetime classic between the Bears and the Vikings, but man, it sure felt like a missed opportunity for the Vikings to take advantage of a, a lowly divisional opponent and stay in that NFC playoff race. Yeah, and it makes you wonder too about the fact that, uh, you know, as good as he was when he first got to Minnesota, talking about Josh Dobbs, if maybe, you know, the blooms off the proverbial rose a little bit, it's like He's, you know, a great young man, aeronautical engineer and that kind of thing, uh, an astronaut, I should say, and that, you know, he's he's a guy that's been around the NFL, smart and all that kind of thing, but he's one of those guys, I think he's just good in short spurts. He's maybe just someone you don't win with long term, and yeah, that was a golden opportunity for Minnesota last night. I thought Chicago played very well defensively. I thought the game probably should have been over earlier than it was because I thought they missed on a ton of early opportunities, you know, uh, settling for field goals, which could be kind of dangerous. But I think in the end, uh, Minnesota now, they're probably going to have to reevaluate their quarterback position, although I saw today that uh, Justin Jefferson, the outstanding receiver, uh, was activated and he'll be back with them following their bye. So maybe that helps them a little bit. Do you think the case with Josh Dobbs, Zig, is a lot of NFL teams getting more film on this guy? You know, uh, as well as anybody, you start getting into your sophomore season in the NFL, and these D coordinators get more and more film on you. They'll find a way to make life difficult for you out there on any given night. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what you talk about in terms of film study, in terms of preparation. And then, you know, there's only, like, in a case like his, probably – You know, there's only so much practice time that they have, although that's a pet peeve of mine. They need to find more reps in terms of backups. So I'm sure, you know, him being there just a couple of weeks, maybe he doesn't totally understand uh, the concepts of of the offense or whatever under Kevin O'Connell. So I think 
What it comes down to is you try to simplify things. You know, these defensive coordinators probably see that maybe he's, you know, one read guy or maybe two reads at the max. And whatever Dobbs' strength is, they try to close that down. Hence, he has to run a little bit more and that kind of thing. So, uh, again, it's a tough situation for the Vikings. Cousins was having a terrific year before he went down. The poor kid Hall, uh, BYU quarterback, he was concussed in his first game. Hence, we've seen Josh Dobbs. So, it'll be interesting now if they turn to Nick Mullins, the former 49er, uh, once they come out of the bye. On the Chicago side of things, uh, Justin Fields, of course, back and healthy now running that offense. He can look dynamic at times and at others looks like he's still missing some talent out there when it comes to the players around him. But this is an important time for Justin Fields, knowing Chicago could have a, a very high draft pick thanks to the Carolina Panthers. And there's a couple of intriguing quarterbacks in this draft class. How important do you think it is for Justin Fields to show out in the proper way the last half of this season to prove to the the Bears management that he's the guy they should build around? Well, that's a very good question, too, and you always got to remember, you know, you've got the new, newer coach and the GM, so if they inherit a player, they're not necessarily obligated to them. But then, you know, the, the, Bear, the previous Bears coach and GM stuck with Trubisky, who they inherited, and unfortunately neither of those guys, you know, have the current positions they had in Chicago. So I think it's one of these things where, you know, the Bears could look at this like, yeah, they've got, you know, obviously they've got the Carolina's first-round pick and everything like that. So, you know, they, they actually have themselves quite a dilemma. If they think Fields is the guy, they stay with him. Or could they package him maybe in a trade of some kind and maybe even use that as a little bit more uh, of uh, draft capital if that's the way that they so chose. So it's going to be interesting to see, uh, again, other than, um, you know, more that the, they got in that trade with Carolina. Mooney's a, a guy who's good, but when he's, you know, healthy, because unfortunately he hasn't been. Um, Komet's a very good tight end. So I think there's some weapons for him to work with. But as I was watching last night, Brian Flores, the defensive coordinator of the Vikings, just kept bringing the blitz all night and, you know, looked as though the offensive line was overmatched. And then, curiously, he dials things down on that last drive, which is where Fields was able to have that big uh, completion over the middle, which set up the game-winning field goals. So, long answer to your question here, Logan. I think it's uh, the the next few games are going to be a telltale sign. I think the kid's got ability. I like his temperament. I like his demeanor. I think he is a quarterback in the National Football League. But, again, uh, it's going to be up for the, uh, the, new, the newer GM and, of course, the head coach to determine if he is the quarterback or do they go, you know, a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or one of those guys coming out of college. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, you mentioned it there, Zig, uh, earlier in your answer. The reason the Bears have that decision is because they own the Carolina Panthers uh, first-round pick thanks to the Bryce Young trade at last year's draft. And uh, as of right now, as you and me talk, that pick currently sits at number one overall thanks to a disastrous season in Carolina. Frank Reich doesn't make it to 12 games on the season. What was your initial reaction hearing that the Panthers let go of Frank Reich after 11 games? I'm not terribly surprised, and I've said this, uh, if you follow it, Zig Sports Voice on X, that it seems as though uh, Mr. Tepper, David Tepper, who runs this organization, 
He's almost like uh, the reincarnation of George Steinbrenner, of course, the bombastic Yankees owner. But at least in Steinbrenner's case, they won some championships. And in Carolina's case, they just can't seem to get out of the way. Uh, you know, to, to me, it just seemed as though as the season wore on, uh, it was clear that they weren't getting any better uh, in terms of progress. I mean, uh, Bryce Young has acquitted himself, I think, well under the circumstances, but the offensive line is a major issue. He really doesn't have any go-to threats in terms of receivers to work with. And Miles Sanders, who they brought in in the offseason, late of Philadelphia, he hasn't had nearly the same success that he had uh, with the Eagles. So you're asking a kid uh, to, you know, take it under fire, and uh, he's been under siege. I think he was sacked, what, seven times in the Cowboys game, and then he got, you know, hit around a, a little bit this past week. So um, it, it was interesting to see that, you know, Frank Reich, who to me is an honorable guy, of course uh, led the greatest comeback in college and pro football history, so he's got that distinction uh, for him, and I thought he was an, a really good assistant coach, but we saw that he was dismissed at Indy uh, during the season last year and now with Carolina. Um, not sure if it was a case he was just in over his head, uh, maybe some refusal to implement some RPO, which is kind of the narrative going around here to maybe you know change up things offensively. I think there were just a myriad of factors. Now you got to wonder, too, I mean, he's already paying Matt Rule you know, uh, the former coach there who's now at Nebraska, now he's paying off Frank Reich. At some point, it makes you wonder, is he going to keep paying for coaches and who really would want this job, considering that, you know, David Tepper seems like he's got a short fuse and, you know, maybe he lacks a little bit of patience. Maybe he's too much of a fan here uh, to be a little too meddlesome. So it'll be interesting where this shakes out. But, again, uh, Frank Reich, an honorable guy, uh, a good football coach, uh, although it was interesting. I read the piece in the Charlotte Observer where he thought that maybe this would be his last NFL opportunity, so to speak. So maybe now Frank Reich uh, takes a break, if not uh, totally retires from the coaching aspect in the NFL. How You mentioned it uh, in your answer there, Zig, but how incumbent is it going to be for this team in Carolina to get Bryce Young some help? Because we all know it. That first-round pick, you know, a top-ten pick in the draft, I mean, go whichever way you'd like to. Would you like uh, a Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State? Uh, how about uh, the LSU kid, Malik Neighbors, would be great for him Neighbors, to throw yeah. to. Or that uh, the giant tackle that Penn State's got right now, the junior there, would sure look good protecting him for the next ten years. You don't have any of that. It's going to feel like this team's going to have to spend some money or make some trades to get him some talent because you're right. Uh, you talk to you don't have to convince me about it, Zig. They just don't have much around it. I have a hard time putting any of this on Bryce Young when Adam Thielen, with all due respect, is the best guy he's got to throw to on a daily exactly. basis. Exactly, and you know Thielen's been a sage for him and really kind of a a security blanket. It's great to see that he's been productive after uh, a long uh, career in Minnesota, although hindered by injuries. So. Yeah, that's that's going to be a, a real tough situation there uh, in Carolina. For one, who would want the job, knowing that the owner seems to be really meddlesome? Um, you know, you wonder, too. Uh, I know there had been some issues there about them trying to get a, a new training facility. Uh, don't know if that was ever totally resolved. Uh, you know, now you're looking at uh, potential issues there 
I think it's been nearly 30 years since they've played uh, at Bank of America Stadium there. So what that deals with the on the field product, it's separate, but still it's part of an issue with the organization overall. So uh, they seem to be in a state of FLUX flux at this particular <laughs> point with the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Zeke Fricasi joining us this afternoon, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Uh, talking all things NFL, we're heading into week 13. And uh, sounds like uh, an interesting decision for a former all-pro linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Shaq Leonard met with the Cowboys this week, plans to meet with the Eagles as well. I know he's not perhaps the same player he was who started out in Indy, but you got a couple of contending teams like the Cowboys and the Eagles interested in you. That could be a big add down the stretch for either of those clubs. Oh, absolutely so. In fact, uh, various reports said that uh, he had a very good meeting today with the Cowboys. I hope Jerry picked up the tab for lunch anyway. <laughs> I, I attempted humor there. But, yeah, you know, and I'm sure he did. And I'm sure Jerry, you know, he, he knows the value uh, of a player. And if, if it counts for anything, the fact that uh, safety Malik Hooker and corner uh, Stephon Gilmore both played with Shaq uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, so maybe uh, they make a plea to Jerry to try to sign him. So uh, the visits, uh, from what I was able to tell, went pretty well, although, uh, you know, being the guy that he is, and he is a free agent, so he doesn't have to sign with the Cowboys this very second. So, as you mentioned, uh, Philadelphia would be a possibility. I think Denver, maybe Minnesota, uh, were also mentioned in the Shaq Leonard sweepstakes. It's clear that the guy, unfortunately, isn't what he was, a myriad of injuries the last couple of years. But if you're on a contender and you're not having to be the guy, and if you use him in maybe a limited role or limit his you know, snap count or whatever, he could be a very good ad. And you got to, again, keep the Eagles in the mix here. It seems as though every year, Logan, they're always adding somebody at reasonable prices, too, like Kevin Byard from Tennessee. You know, they, I think they got Darius, or, uh, Darius Slay from the Lions, uh, DeAndre Swift from the Lions. I think they gave up uh, a Philly steak and cheese for him, for goodness <laughs> sake. It seems as though... You know, it seems as though the Howie Roseman lands these productive players for literally next to nothing. So it'll be interesting to where it goes. I do think, though, when it's all said and done, probably Shaq Leonard would decide on one of those NFC East powers. Uh, yeah, on the Howie Roseman front, wasn't it just last year, late in the season, he just picked up two D tackles off of the off of the street and Linval Joseph and and Dominican Sue to come in there yeah. and. All of a sudden, midway through the season, you got a fresh pair of D tackles to slide into the rotation, and that worked out pretty well for them, too. Yeah, and I mean, it, it just goes to show you that Philly, they have that culture there that you want to go and, <clears throat> excuse me, and, and you want to produce because you know that they're going to be in contention every year. You've got that stability in upper management. You have really good coaching staff there. You have. I think a guy who probably should be at or near the top of the MVP chase uh, in Jalen Hurts. So it seems as though Philly is a preferred destination. They seem to be in it and contending each and every year. So uh, it's interesting how this will ultimately shake out. But again, I think Shaq Leonard, it'll probably be between the Cowboys and the Eagles for him. Yeah, and if I, if I remember right, I think they lost Leighton Vander Esch a few weeks ago in Dallas. So yes. perhaps... Uh, uh, a, yes. a replacement there at the linebacking core to help make up for the loss of, of Van Der Esch, who's a very good tackler in the middle of that defense. Well, they, 
Rashawn Evans a few weeks ago, too, the You're former right. uh, Titans first-rounder. But that's probably more for special teams and maybe a limited role on defense. Uh, and we'll see the Cowboys coming up on Thursday. They've got uh, a battle against the Seattle Seahawks to kick things off on week 13. As we you know, sort of chat about Leonard and perhaps a fit with Dallas, how do you see this Cowboys team this year, Zig? I know they're always a, a fan favorite to talk about because of Jerry and the, you know, the national spotlight that they're always in. But here's a team at 8-3 at and three that's been pretty impressive for the most part this year. They have. I think the narrative around them is, well, they haven't beaten anybody. Well, I mean, look at it. They've only played, gosh, if I remember right, maybe three teams at the most, maybe four that have had winning records. I mean, the Jets were 1-0 and when they beat them in Week 2, and that was without Rodgers. And I think that game they beat the Chargers on Monday night, they may have had a winning record too. But the San Francisco game, that was a debacle. Frankly, they should have beat Philadelphia. If they didn't self-destruct late in that game, uh, the the Dallas Cowboys should have won that game. But they've been able to establish a home field dominance, which is 13 in a row now at AT AT&T Stadium. They are able to beat uh, the teams that they should. And I think this is a game on Thursday uh, that they should be able to win. Um, It seems as though Dak Prescott's in the – best role of his career right now. Some are even talking about him as a potential MVP candidate. It seems as though they've been able to spread the ball out more. Michael Gallup and um, Brandon Cooks have been more involved in the offense. The old line seems to be healthy. Uh, Defensively, they're able to come up with big plays. Deron Bland, a fifth-round pick a couple years ago out of Fresno State, now four pick sixes on the season who stepped up famously for, let's not forget, they're without you know an A-list corner, Trayvon Diggs, who was hurt earlier this season, lost for the year. So uh, they're, a, they're a playoff caliber team, but I think something's got to change here in terms of beating some quality opposition. And their schedule, Logan, gets a whole lot tougher. you got an Eagles team there on Sunday night uh, in a couple weeks. they got to go up to Buffalo. they got to play Miami yet, so... Uh, they got some tough teams on their horizon. If they could knock them off, I think the Cowboys could be a threat coming out of the NFC. Yeah, and you talk about Dak Prescott and uh, the 23 touchdowns, six interceptions on the year. To me, that's the biggest thing out of Dak's game is learning how to manage the ball better and not having those killer turnovers. Uh, just massive for him and that team. You got you got great players. Sometimes just living to, to play the next down is is the smartest role, and it feels like Dak's starting to understand that. Well, let's not forget, too, you know, they changed offensive coordinators. Kellen Moore now uh, out with the Los Angeles Chargers, and Mike McCarthy is calling the plays. And earlier in the year, there seemed to be some issues. And, you know, that's where Dak, I think, was hesitant. They weren't going to, you know, Cooks enough. They weren't integrating the tight end enough. So, you know, it's not like a thing where you just zap a meal into the microwave. It's done in five minutes and you're satisfied. It takes time. And I, and I think over time, it's clear when Dak's in a rhythm, he's getting rid of the ball quick. He's seeing things as they happen. When they implement some of those quarterback draws and design runs, it makes him more effective. And when you got a defense being able to create turnovers, I think that helps out as well. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment, but now Dak, like I mentioned, seems to be in one of the best grooves of his career. And now apparently he and his uh, lady are having a baby, which I think is pretty awesome too. 
And here's a young man who I had a chance to meet at Sirius XM a few years ago. Real nice kid. has been through a lot. His, his brother, unfortunately, uh, took his own life uh, a little bit before then. His mother passed away. Uh, so the poor guy's been through a lot. And to be a quarterback of the so-called America's team and having that bright light on you in nearly 30 years without a Super Bowl or a championship game appearance, it can be overwhelming. But Dak Prescott seems like he's got a good role right now on and off the field. And you root for a guy like that because he is a special player, special young man. 100%. Uh, Zig, before we let you go, I uh, wanted to have some fun with you. I would love to get your thoughts on this. The Hall of Fame class of 2024, their modern era player semifinalist list came out today. So they've still got to trim this list down, but they've got a couple of guys on their first year making the semifinalist list. And I'd love to get your thoughts uh, about the possibility of these guys getting into the Hall of Fame. How's that sound? Yeah, it's good. How about how about you name them, and I'll tell you whether they should be in the first Perfect. the first time guys. I'd love to do that. Uh, so the first time uh, making the semifinalists, both of these men first year eligible. Antonio Gates, the great Chargers tight end. Ooh, boy, that one's close. He and uh, Rivers had a terrific combination. Uh, very productive. One of the all time leaders in catches. That one I got to think about. Maybe doesn't get in on the first time. Okay, go okay. ahead. Uh, second time, uh, second one up, first year of eligibility, making it to the semifinalist. Uh, great pass rusher, spent many prolific years with Carolina. Julius Peppers is up for the uh, list. Ooh, yeah, and then he had a nice little run with the Green Bay Packers, impacted the game. In fact, yes. he, was, uh, he played a little basketball, too, at North Carolina. That's how good he was. So he was a two-sports star. That one, I, I would lean towards yes on the first time. And uh, one other player reaching the semifinalist stage for the first time, uh, but retired a little while ago. Uh, how about Tiki Barber, who retired back in 2006, but this is his first time reaching the semifinal stage for the Hall of Fame class? Yeah, I love Tiki. Uh, had a you know, got many years ago. He and his brother Rondé had a show on uh, what well, the time was just Sirius NFL Radio before the merger with XM. It was called the Barber Shop. Yes. Uh, ironically <laughs> enough, so I used to do updates uh, during that show, so I got to know. Both the brothers rather well. Um, again, I think Tiki's done a terrific job also kind of rehabbing his career a little bit after some down times there. But, uh, wow, that one I'd probably have to say no. Again, as good a back as he was, you know, I just don't know if he had the um, sort of the cachet, the Emmets, the Berries, the Jim Browns did and all that kind of thing. I would tell you two guys that I definitely want to see go in, Logan. Torrey Holt, of course, he's a colleague of mine at Sirius XM NFL Radio, the great NC State receiver, part of the greatest show on turf with the uh, St. Louis Cardinals back in the day. Yep. Thought he and uh, you know Isaac Bruce were really, if you want to use a you know cartoon or uh, comic book metaphor, Batman and Robin, <laughs> both were really, really good, and I think Torrey deserves it. And back to the Cowboys, it's kind of criminal that Darren Woodson isn't in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You know, when they had those Super Bowl teams in the 90s, I had said Charles Haley was the monster addition that put them over the top. But I would say a close 1A because of his ball-hawking ability, uh, his speed, his ability to lead the defense and be able to make big plays. 
Darren Woodson, is about time I think that dude deserves his uh, his gold jacket to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Let me ask you a quick one before we get out of here, because I always love this debate. Devin Hester, a Hall of Famer in your mind, Zig? Ooh. Game changer in terms of punt returns, kick returns. Man, I don't know if that, that category has ever gotten its total respect because, you know, I mean, he was a, a receiver for a little bit, but I, until they change that, I think just in terms of, you know, uh, electing exclusive kicker punt returners or special teamers, because then you could bump in a Steve Tasker or a Bill Bates into that category. Sure. I think it's one of those things, Logan, where you probably would have to mention it as, you know, something in the hall, like uh, a contributor or something that category, great special teamers, then maybe he would go in. So I would probably have to say no on that one. Uh, great chat. Uh, great stuff there, Zig. Appreciate you playing along with me there on some of that Hall of Fame news today. And uh, sure. appreciate you chatting with us as always, pal. It's great to check in with you. I hope you're doing well. Logan, doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Take care, pal. Zeke Fricasi joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Our pal from Sirius XM NFL Radio. Follow him on Twitter or X. Uh, he's just a, an all-around great guy. Also, big NHL fan. He's been on NHL Network before. Uh, talking all things NFL with us today uh, on Sportsnet today. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. More Flames talk for you next. A big win to kick off this homestand for the Calgary Flames. Five more to go at home. Uh, we'll hear from Mackenzie Weger following his game winner last night in overtime against the Vegas Golden Knights and uh, talk more about this resilient group who continues uh, to battle despite third period uh, deficits. More on the Calgary Flames as we roll on. It's Sportsnet Today, live on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. A recovery day on Tuesday for the Calgary Flames. With a busy road trip. Let's saw them go 2-2, two and two, followed up by a Monday night matchup in overtime against the Vegas Golden Knights. A deserved day off for Ryan Huska's group. They'll be back on the practice ice Wednesday, getting set for a rematch against the Dallas Stars on Thursday. That's game two of this six-game homestand for the Calgary Flames that extends into the early part of December. Thursday's game is a 7 o'clock puck drop. 6 o'clock Flames warm up with Pat Steinberg, Derek Wills, and Megan Mickelson on the call. We'll hear from a couple more members of the Calgary Flames following their win last night against Vegas, including Mackenzie Weger. He scored the game winner. Also had a bit of a collision with Dan Vladar in the second period that might have raised the heart rate of many Flames fans. And we'll hear from the other hero of the game, Dan Vladar. Spectacular in short notice coming up big for the Calgary Flames as they start the homestand off on a winning note. 2-1 in OT against the Vegas Golden Knights. Quick reminder, the fan feedback line open to you at 960-960. Shoot us a text. You want to talk about uh, anything going on in the sports world right now. We'll uh, read some text before we get out of here on a Tuesday. Quick reminder, oh, on this uh, Tuesday, no Flames hockey, but we will have Hitman hockey on your radios tonight. The Calgary Hitman in Red Deer getting set to take on their division rivals, the Red Deer Rebels. Brad Curl on the call at 7 o'clock tonight here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. And if you want to watch some hockey, 
Sportsnet West has you covered with the Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. 7 o'clock puck drop from Edmonton. That's one of nine games on the NHL schedule on this Tuesday. The Islanders and the Devils at 5 o'clock. Panthers hopefully rested up from that fight-filled affair against the Senators last night. They're in Toronto to take on the Maple Leafs. You've got the Hurricanes and the Flyers. Blues Wild, first game for Minnesota since the dismissal of Dean Evason as their head coach. So John Hines makes his coaching debut for Minnesota. Penguins, Predators, Stars are in Winnipeg to take on the Jets. You've got the Kraken and the Blackhawks. Lightning in Arizona to take on the Coyotes and the late game tonight. It's an 8 o'clock start for the Anaheim Ducks and the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, big game last night, obviously, for the Calgary Flames. Lakes, thanks in large part to this man, Dan Vladar, finds out late in the afternoon, like 5.30, 6 o'clock late, that he's starting tonight. And you might think, okay, well, that's that's no big deal, except when you're a backup goaltender in the NHL and you go through your morning skate process, it usually involves extra work with the goaltending coach. You stay out there for sometimes an hour, 90 minutes uh, after morning skate and get some work in, work on some drills, as he would with Jason LaBarbera or any other member uh, of the Flames goaltending uh, coaches and you know, just work on improving his game because he's not playing that night. That was the same for Dan on Monday, put in the extra work, headed home to get a nap in and come back to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome expecting to back up Jacob Markstrom. That didn't happen. Jacob came down with an illness pretty suddenly and the reins turned over to Dan Vladar, who was just spectacular last night. Uh, can't compliment him enough. Had to deal with uh, the physicality of the Golden Knights early on with William Carrier crashing into his net, like, what, four or five minutes into the game, just bounced up back, didn't seem to bother him at all. Mackenzie Weger on a back check accidentally runs into him. Again, doesn't even phase the Flames backup, who's taking some heat this year and obviously is well aware that Dustin Wolf is just down the hallway with the Calgary Wranglers. Uh, but he played spectacular last night, and he got uh, the start, of course, for the second straight game after the loss in Colorado. But let's hear from Dan Post game, his thoughts following a big win for him in the Flames against the Golden Knights. What time did you find out that you were playing tonight? Uh, around 5:30. You know, I got to the rink and uh, you know, uh, Goiko uh, Sharps texted me. Um, you know, probably like in, like around 4:45, just saying, Marky's is not feeling well. Just you know, keep your head on. And then I got in and got the call. Basically, saw Marky, so just hope he's feeling better. We always hear that you guys get ready the same way, whether you're starting or backing it up, but. I mean, tonight would have tested that. Did you have to do it? 100%. Good? I mean, if you play two years for Daryl, you just got to be ready for every single game. So. <laughs> <laughs> how did you feel out there? It seemed like you were making a lot of great saves and you were in the zone. Could you describe how you felt you played out there tonight? Um, uh, obviously, it wasn't a plan, so I got pretty bad this morning. I was out there for like hour 20. So, you know, uh, as soon as I got in, I'm like, I could just, I thought it's a joke to the national anthem. And then, you know, I was just trying to, you know, uh, give our team a chance to win like I'm trying to do every single game and uh, obviously turn out to probably be my best game this season. Considering that you had a, a pretty inexperienced guy backing you up, what, what goes through your mind when Carrier crashes into you early in the game? Well, not much. Hannah told me first thing right away. He was like, "You gotta play. You gotta eat back on the bench." So I'm mean, <laughs> great for great for uh, Dusty. He's been practicing with us. He's an awesome guy, and uh, I'm pretty sure he enjoyed every second out there. And uh, uh, 
you know he deserves it for sure because every uh, he uh, I think he torn his groin last year during practice with us, so uh, he went through some stuff as well. So uh, I, I just hope he enjoyed it, and uh, the crowd was un- unbelievable tonight, and uh, the guys were playing playing uh, really hard in front of me as well. You had a few close calls in in that there. You had one instance where someone knocked your helmet off. You had Uyghur also drive into you as well. What was that? Go going through all that adversity on top of trying to play in well in net. Um, felt felt like a football player out there. For a little bit, but you know, obviously, it gets you it gets you going a little bit too when you get the, in some contact as well. And but as I said, you know. We were uh, we were uh, just getting. It's not not easy coming back from a lo- long road trip, especially playing against the Stanley Cup champions. But I think the guys were doing an awesome job. Like I didn't have have to make any 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 rebound saves. Like they were just cleaning pucks in front of me and boxing you know, as well. So I think we deserve to win today. You were fans, media, like everyone loves a rebound. Do you guys love? Is it cool for you guys to see the guy like that get this opportunity? Um, I mean, I love Dusty, but as a goalie, uh, you you appreciate when you have your partner on the bench. But as I said, uh, he's a great guy, and he deserves it for sure. So I'm super pumped for him as well. It was a McKenzie that lost the puck at the blue line in the third, and you bailed him out with that breakaway save. Are you guys even after he got got the uh, overtime goal for yeah, you? Yeah, I mean he's getting chirped all the time that he's got a muffin, so I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't, I think he's got a great shot. So he just proved it there, and uh, you know, for me, uh, to be honest, like I was just getting ready for a shootout, but you know, then then he just sniped. So super pumped for him, and he deserves it because he's a he's a superstar, right? So. Dan Vladar. First start of the game, Monday night for the Calgary Flames against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Dan is low-key one of the funnier guys to interview, uh, as you picked up there in just about three minutes of talking with Dan last night to the media. He had a, a ton of funny ones, whether it's talking about Mackenzie Weger, the, usually getting chirped for having a muffin of a shot, or um, you play a couple years under Daryl, you're always ready to go because you never really know what was going to happen. Uh, any of those things, uh, Dan Vladar always brings it and uh, was hilarious last night. Uh, played really well, uh, all things considered. He mentioned it there, kind of begged from earlier, practiced an extra hour 20 as uh, backup goaltenders usually do on non-start days and uh, didn't seem to affect him. It sure worked out well. Maybe uh, as the text at 960-960 comes in and says, uh, I think every game Vladar is set to start, he needs to be told five minutes before the game. Uh, hey, it worked out well. I don't know if he would prefer it that way. I think he was pretty cast by the end of the night, but uh, you can't argue with the results, and the results were pretty good uh, for Dan Vladar. Uh, the other hero last night, Mackenzie Weger, talked about that game winner. We heard it from Dan there, and uh, yes, what a night for number 52. Uh, I thought one of his better nights defensively, working hard against a, a good Vegas Golden Knights team, the Eichels, the Stones of the world. Uh, are tough to defend at the best of times. I thought Uyghur was part of a good defensive front for Calgary. And, of course, he's got the game winner on his stick with five seconds to go in OT. Uh, lots of thoughts on that because, uh, as you hear from McKenzie, he was out of gas on that shift and uh, was hopeful that the clock was going to expire in case he missed. He didn't miss. He sent the Flames home with a 2-1 OT win. Here are his thoughts post game Monday after the win. Yeah, I have that right? Were you pretty close to being out of gas there? Oh yeah, I was. That was all I had left. There was probably no back check there. I'm glad. Um, you know, I left it all out there. Saw an opening. Um, you know, I got up the ice as fast as I could. And that's sort of how it's been going for me this year. Were you conscious of the clock at all? Not really. Uh, you know, I'm, that's what I, 
I don't think I had much in the back checking department if I missed that wide or there was more time on that clock. So get it on net and good things happen. How does it feel beating the Rams okay. Stanley Cup champions a little bit if it's a multi-state with not knowing what your goalie was going to be as well? How yeah, that? yeah, I mean, you, you always get up for these challenges in these games. You got the Stanley Cup champions coming in, but I thought it was it was more more about us tonight. It's been kind of like that way for us this year. And, um, you know, obviously you want to play your best every given night. You know, there's, there's a lot of um, stuff about this team, you know, being the reigning champs. But like you said at the end there, end of your question, I thought Danny, Danny Boy stepped up there big and uh, he, he really bailed us out a few times there. What, what was that like order? in the room when just when the uncertainty was starting to just unfold just after five and knowing that Markstrom was going to go home go, and then this guy comes in as a backup? What yeah. was that moment like if you could take us through a little bit of it? Yeah, obviously you don't like seeing Marky, you know, have an illness, but we got all the faith in, uh, in Danny. Um, he's been great for us the past couple of years or since I've been here he's been awesome for us so in that kind of in that part of it we weren't too worried because we have a great second second goalie to come in there but you know the morale goes up and you see Dusty come in and you know, the smiles the smiles get picked up and you're making it a special night for him and um, you know it was close close call there uh, in the first I think first shift there um, you know I looked over at him I, I saw there was a little glimmer of hope there maybe he'd get a shot but um, maybe the nerves were coming in but um, you know what this uh, I think this night belongs to Dan he, he was he was awesome for us. Was it the same feeling when you ran into Dan in the second period, or no? Yeah, I, I when I saw myself going down, I, I immediately saw, thought of Dusty again. Um, <laughs> but you know, I you know, I looked at Dan. He said he was all right. He's been he was battling. He was in the zone. He was so focused. Uh, I don't even think he acknowledged me. So that was kind of where his mentality was at t- tonight. Is that your favorite goal as a flame so far? Oh, absolutely. I, I've never. I don't. I don't have an o- overtime goal. It comes at the right time against a great team. Uh, you know, a six-game homestand. Um, there was a lot of things that go- went into that goal, but um, you know, that's exciting. That's fun. You know, that's the true C I read that I that I heard back there. But uh, what did you do well defensively to limit the the Golden Knights to just one goal? Yeah, I thought obviously Dan. Um, you know, he bailed me out in the third there, um, but I, you know. He was seeing a lot of shots. I thought we did a good job boxing out, but I think there's still another level we can take with, you know, the grade A chances. Um, we can still limit those, but, you know, that's a great hockey team on the other side. They're, you know, it's, it's tough to limit those chances, but, um, you know, we did the job tonight, and we, we, we only let them have one, so that's a great job. What are we learning about this team? That's three pretty good efforts against three world-class teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think you're seeing a team that, uh, you know, is blocking out a lot of the, the stuff, you know, outside of this rink and outside of this team. You're seeing, you know, everybody step up. Uh, you know, we got depth going up and down the lineup. Um, and a team that doesn't give up. You know, this team, during when we face adversity, we step up and we, we take it on. And we've done a great job, you know, come, getting these comeback wins against great hockey teams. Yeah, you know, I think there's nights where we want to play with the lead. But right now, we're, we're going to take these two points. It's hard to win this league, and, and we're, we're going to take these. When when things start going your way like they are now the last few games, last heck, the last month, is it easier for you guys to block out the outside noise? Yeah, absolutely. I think right now it's kind of been the up and down. We want to, you know, build off this win. Um, but it's, it's, it's always been easy to block out the noise, you know. There's been some distractions here and there but we don't we don't pay attention to that stuff this is a great great room we have with great great guys um and we want to win for each other and um you know whatever they want to say out there you know we want to prove them wrong every year is different every team's different i get that but last year i don't think you guys overturned a third period deficit until mm-hmm. like april 1st um yeah. what's it say about this year's group that you guys are doing it with some yeah. regularity yeah I'm, I'm not sure you know 
I'm not sure why we couldn't get some some of those last year. Maybe a little bit of puck luck, or um, you know, maybe not having that adversity and battling through that adversity like we do this year. But maybe we've learned from it as well. Um, you know, maybe we got a little bit more more in the system, and, and make, you know, Husk has done a great job, and um, you know, our goalies have done. You know, Marky and Vladdy have been great for us as well. And like I said, you know, we've gotten depth and we've gotten scoring from everybody up and down the lineup. So I think that helps a lot. Overtime's been was an issue for you guys last year, and now you guys are two and zero. Start the year in overtime. Mm-hmm. How does that feel? Ah, you know, it feels great. Um, you know, I think that's a big thing for us. Obviously, in the summertime, when we saw how many losses that we had uh, in overtime last year, and we could easily been in the playoffs. So we we don't take uh, overtime lightly. I think we're playing with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more swag out there. We're not sort of sitting back. We're attacking uh, this year, and, and it's it's done us well so far. I have not, um, but I did get word that he's doing okay. And, um, you know, I th- that's just, you know, he's he's unbelievable warrior. And, um, that's that's what it takes to win. But you don't like seeing that happen. And, uh, I'm sure he's going to be okay. He's a true warrior. Mackenzie Weger, post-game. Big win for the Flames on Monday. 2-1 overtime victory against the Vegas Golden Knights. And, yeah, you did hear at the end, Wes asked him uh, anything about Chris Tanev. And uh, we didn't get an official update. Ryan Huska said he's doing okay. We saw him walking around a bit in the locker room post-game, um, but no official status or word. I'm sure we'll get more on Wednesday when the team is back on the practice ice and getting set for that game against Dallas. Uh, all I'll say is that dude is just a warrior in every sense of the word. He is um, in like the thought process for Chris Danov just doesn't even – think about his own personal safety. It's literally just about whatever's best for the team and uh, getting a, a shot in the face just so, you know, puck doesn't get through to Dan Vladar is just the kind of guy that Chris Tanev is and uh, can't say enough about him. I hope he's okay. Uh, as far as, you know, like, is he going to be all right? We know that as far as his status goes uh, for the rest of the week or this homestand don't know. Like I said, hopefully more clarity coming on Wednesday from the Flames when they're back at practice, but would it really stun anybody if Chris Tanev was simply back out there on on Wednesday and ready to go for Thursday's game against Dallas? It wouldn't surprise me because he clearly has uh, superhuman ability to withdraw pain from his body, so it wouldn't stun me. Uh, If he misses a game or two, that won't surprise me either. It was a puck to the face, but Chris Tanev, uh, as we know, doesn't like to miss hockey games and uh, takes a awful lot to get him out of the lineup. So we'll hopefully get an update on Wednesday. Uh, this text came in nine six zero nine six zero on the fan feedback line. Good effort overall last night. Imagine if we had an effective power play. Good goal by Weger, but man, he's a high risk player. I, I think the the high risk comes with the high reward for Mackenzie Weger, and I think Weegs is at his best. And we've talked about it a couple times with him this year when he is taking some of those chances and. Look, a big part of the reason this Flames team has turned it around lately and picked up some wins has been offense from their D-men, and he's been a big part of it, getting shots on goal. He scored a couple of times over the last couple of weeks, including that one last night. So, yeah, I think that you can definitely see some risk in any of the Flames defensemen doing that. I mean, Nikita Zadorov uh, is a guy that'll jump up in the play like that as well. But if you want to bring an extra element to your game offensively, I think you got to take that risk if you're a Flames defenseman. And uh, it worked out well for them last night. And 
Uh, what a fun overtime it was of the four-on-four overtime as we had no whistles until Mackenzie Weger put that one home. Uh, sure was a blast, and we'll see what uh, is next for this team when they take on Dallas on Thursday. We're putting a bow on the show on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. Some thank yous. Uh, our guest today, Scott Laughlin, talking all things NHL from Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Uh, Zig Fercasi talking all things NFL, Sirius XM NFL Radio. Uh, as we double dipped with serious radio guests this afternoon, both of them were fantastic. If you missed any of it, check it out on the podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. We would love for you to subscribe and come along for the ride. If you can't listen live, uh, make sure to check us out on the podcast. If you did join us on today's show live or on the podcast, we really appreciate it. If you send us a text at 960-960, thank you for doing that. Always love chatting with our uh, pals on the text line. And uh, thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work on this Tuesday afternoon. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll get you set uh, with any updates from Flames practice, plus checking in with uh, Ailis Forfar and Andy McNamara on a Wednesday. Looking forward to that. Still to come this afternoon, we got Real Kipper and Bourne on your radios next. Flames talk with Pat Steinberg. Lots to get into with the host of uh, Flames Hockey here on Sportsnet 960. And then hockey on your radios tonight. It's the Calgary Hitman and the Red Deer Rebels with Brad Curl on the call. Enjoy your Tuesday evening. Check back with you on a Wednesday edition here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.